If you brought a copy of Scripture with you this morning, you can find Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1. As we continue in our Christmas series, Prepare Him Room. Now, the Christmas story is, uh, is not new, but hopefully it never gets old. Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you. How can the incarnation of God get old? This is one of the pillars of what we believe in. The incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are the three pillars that Christianity virtually stands upon. And so the story of Christmas isn't new, but it shouldn't ever get old. It's filled with wonder. It's filled with drama. It's filled with mystery, awe, and faith. Humanly speaking, the Christmas story is a story like no other story when it comes to faith. It seems like all the major players in the Christmas, almost all, not all, but almost all the major players demonstrate faith. When you're talking about Joseph, the Magi, the shepherds, certainly Simeon and Anna, they're the addendum of the Christmas story. Uh, But today, I want to focus on Mary and Elizabeth and talk about faith. And what, is it, what does it mean to have faith? All of us have some kind of faith, for sure. Some of you have blind faith. But Christianity is not a blind faith. My question to you is, do you have faith? And if so, what does your faith look like? How has your faith changed your life, if it has changed it at all? Has it changed your life? Has it changed your outlook? What are life's ever-changing circumstances, and they are ever-changing, right? What are they doing to your faith right now? Right now, what are your changing circumstances doing to your faith? Are they affirming your faith's power, or are they revealing your faith's weakness? Solomon said, if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. Have you ever read that? So here we are. We're going to make our way all the way down to verse 26 in Luke's gospel. And we're right on the cusp of the virgin conception of Jesus. And much has happened already. If you've been with us, you know that in the eternal counsel of God, you have this dialogue uh, that the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 10. Remember, we talked about that dialogue between the Son of God and Father God. And the Son says to the Father, Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. We use that as a Christmas text as we began this series. So somewhere in the uh, annals of time before the foundation of the world there was this consultation amongst the Godhead. There are prophecies that had to be fulfilled and are in the process of of becoming fulfilled even in the text itself, including John the Baptist. Malachi talks about John the Baptist coming. And here here he is. In fact, the the front end of Luke chapter 1 is Zechariah, John the Baptist's uh, future father. Uh, he's in the temple as a priest. He's offering incense. He's praying. He's an old guy. His wife is old. He wants a kid. He's praying for a kid. And suddenly the angel Gabriel appears to him and says, your prayers have been answered. 
But Zechariah doesn't exactly respond the way God would, want it, would have wanted him to respond. Remember, he says, well, what, what sign can you give me? He's looking at an angel asking for a sign. Not a good idea. So it's mum's the word for him until John comes. And that's already occurred. And the final preparations before the birth of Jesus is both a demonstration of faith by the characters in this, And a call to faith to you and me. So prepare him room this morning with a faith that wonders but never doubts. We are living in the most doubtful generation known to man. But Mary shows us that you can wonder. That's okay. Just don't doubt the word of God. It says in the sixth month, that would be the sixth month of Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. So Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. Let's just get that off the table right now. And uh, she's six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And she came, or rather he came, Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, and some of your Bibles say wondered, that would be a good translation as well, what sort of greeting this might be. And what she was, it wasn't the fact that the angel greeted her, of course that would create wonder in and of itself, but it was, it was the form of greeting that caused her to wonder, namely, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. So Mary is not doubting, but she is wondering. And I would just say to you as we, as we continue, it's, it's okay to wonder, okay? It's okay to wonder how God can or how God will pull things off. It's okay to wonder, just don't doubt his word. You can wonder how he's going to pull it off. I mean, it was the, the theologian Bruce Demarest who said that, that it's, it's okay to have mystery and wonder when it comes to our knowledge of God. Because whenever God and man meet, there's mystery. There's wonder. So just don't doubt. Faith, we need to approach the Christmas story with a, with a faith that wonders but doesn't doubt. Secondly, we need to approach it with a faith that finds favor. Not fear. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. See, this is the thing she's wondering about. You know, how, how, oh, favored one. What's that all about? So he's affirming it. You You don't have to be afraid. You have found favor with God. And please note, you found favor with God. You didn't earn it. The word favor is the word, our word for Grace. And grace is never earned. It's always bestowed. It's always given. It's gifted. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. By definition, grace is a gift. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works. Why? So, that, so, the, so you got nothing to boast about. That's why. So you don't have to fear when you have faith, a faith that finds favor, not fear. And by the way, 
Mary needed a savior. She needed this favor. She needed this grace. And her Magnificat that takes place as a result of all this, beginning in verse 46, she explodes in this praise when she says, my soul enlarges or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my what? My Savior. By the way, last I checked, only sinners need a Savior. I spoke to a woman several years ago uh, that was still in the church of my upbringing, and we talked about the subject of Mary, talked about how, you know, this wonderful woman of faith that she was, but I said, she, but she needed to be saved. She was a sinner. No, she was never a sinner. I quoted from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47, that my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she was dumbfounded. She was absolutely dumbstruck that that was in the Bible. And she said, well, I mean, uh, she, I, uh, uh, she didn't know she wasn't a sinner. Well, that was a new one on me. That's, that's blind faith. That's not biblical faith. That's blind faith. But if you have... If you have received the favor, the grace of God, you don't have to fear. That's the command here. I mean, I know that life has all kinds of issues and vicissitudes and changes and problems, and some of you are facing just a, some Mount Everest of issues, but you don't have to fear. If God is for us, who can be against us? Faith that finds favor, not fear. And then with a faith that lifts up Jesus not self. So quickly, the angel is not going to make this so much about Mary, except that she is favored. Verse 31, and behold, he's still talking to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now, shortly after this time, this all comes about. Joseph sees this. He's, I mean, what are you supposed to think? He's engaged to her. I mean, he's going to just put her away privately. Not, not put her away. He's not going to kill her, but he's going to divorce her. And, uh, and that's, an, an angel shows up and says, don't do that uh, because this is of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to, she's going to bear a son and you're going to call his name Jesus, Matthew 1, 21, because he's going to save his people from their sins. And that's embedded in the word Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves. It tells us his power. It tells us his purpose. This is why Jesus came. He came to save us. We need to be saved. You need to be saved. I need to be saved. Jesus' own very own purpose statement is in Luke chapter 19 where he said, the son of man has come to seek and to save those who are what? Lost. That's me. That's you without Jesus. The angel goes on to just lift up Jesus here. And he says, he will be great, verse 32, and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. In other words, you, Mary, are going to become the mother of the promised Messiah, the son of God, the final and the forever king. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Again, she's not doubting. She's wondering. And that's okay to wonder. The Christmas story is filled with wonder, is it not? And we know she's not doubting because 
we're going to see here at the end, her, she is commended because of her belief, because of her faith that she didn't doubt. The angel says to her, and he gives this explanation that dissertations are written over. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, that's the, that's the little Greek conjunction, dia, dio. It literally means for this reason. This is the best explanation in the text. For this reason, that is that the power of the Almighty, the Most High is going to overshadow you. For this reason, the child to be born will be called holy. He wouldn't be holy if it wasn't God who made this happen. Because by one man, sin comes into the world and death through sin. Sin passes to all men because all sinned in Adam. So somehow or another, all that's canceled out. So the child that would be conceived and Mary and eventually born would be the son of God. The virgin conception of Jesus Christ is given here, not with detailed explanation, but a divine one just the same. I don't have to understand it all. I can wonder like crazy and so can you, and we should. Just don't doubt that it happened. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, right? But those things which are revealed, they belong to us, and they belong to our children. What we need to do is lift up God, lift up Jesus, not ourselves. So we come to him this Christmas season and prepare him room with a faith that lifts up Jesus, not self, and a faith that looks to God, not circumstances. Verse 36 says, Behold, again, this is the angel sort of putting an addendum, a faith addendum on here to Mary. Behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has, in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Translation, God did a mini miracle in her. He's going to do his masterpiece in you. Elizabeth is six months along with John the Baptist by now. And by the way, Mary, just so that you know, nothing is impossible with God. Now, this was meant, this statement in its context was meant to be, you know, it's referring to the virgin birth clearly and how it would occur. It's not meant to be for you to claim for your own personal miracle, okay? And yet, it, and yet, is that not a standalone truth right there? It is. So go ahead and awe over it and its original intent with the virgin conception of Christ, but be encouraged at the same time of what the omnipotent God can do for you. It doesn't mean God in his omnipotence, does, he, can do, he can wipe out every issue you have. But why would he do that? Half of you wouldn't grow if he did that. We need the struggles in life. And so when nothing is impossible with God, that means God will sustain me through it all. And that's what he does. And Mary hears all of this. And her instant response is, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. This is faith. You're looking at faith. 
That's faith. This is the faith of Abraham before her. The same faith that Abraham exhibited, Mary exhibited the same faith. It's the faith that the writer of, of Romans, Paul said in Romans chapter four, when he talked about Abraham's faith, that he didn't waver when he was told when, by God that he would be a father of many, many people. He looked up and saw all those stars. He didn't waver at all, but he, but he believed, but he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to do. If you want a biblical definition of faith, it's right there. What God promises, he's able to, to do. You believe that. This is what Mary had. It's the same faith that you need in order to be saved. When God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, it is with your heart that a man believes under righteousness as you are believing the word of God. And so when, when the angel receives this response from Mary, it doesn't surprise us the very next line is, and the angel departed. Job done. A little different than the last time he came six months ago. Remember that? Well, you're gonna, you know, your, your prayer's been answered, Zachariah. You're gonna have a kid. Well, like, now how is this gonna happen? You're gonna give me a sign. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and you're not gonna talk until that kid comes around. He levels him with a rebuke. But it's like, and he had to wonder because Gabriel wasn't omniscient. He didn't know how Mary, how Mary was going to respond, but Mary responds with faith. And he just leaves like, okay, job done. I'm out of here. The difference between Zachariah's, uh, what he was told and what Mary was told on a scale is literally night and day. Because for Zachariah, what he was told was definitely hard to believe. Would you agree? But what Mary was told was impossible to believe. Virgins don't get pregnant. It's not possible. Older people, yeah, once in a while you hear the Guinness Book of Records stuff, whatever. This is impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. I, I was with uh, some new Christians just the other day, and we were talking about uh, how Jesus saves and what goes into salvation and and uh, this individual is really growing in the Lord. And she said, well, if it's Jesus that saves, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Which is a great question. And I was able to say, in the exact same way they're saved today. By faith. By faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. It's the same thing that saves. Faith. So Abraham, or rather, uh, Gabriel bugs out. And the final preparations before Jesus' birth now would involve a, a three-month stint hanging out with her miraculously uh, pregnant cousin, Elizabeth. We know that in verse 56. She, verse 56 says that Mary stayed there for three months. So if, if you just do the math here, you know, Elizabeth's six months pregnant at this point. Mary goes down there and spends three more months. And we're not told, but I think it's certainly logical to conclude that she stayed there until John was born. And she may have even seen Zachariah's mouth opened up again to give praise to God. She would have been filled with wonder. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's move on. I want to talk, we're talking about 
preparing him room, and you do it with a faith, now watch this, a faith that's strengthened by God's work in others, not just yourself. I'll explain what I mean by that. The 39th verse says, In those days Mary, Mary arose and went with haste, that's the word for speed, into the hill country to a town in Judah. We're not told what town. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now why did Mary do this? That was quite a trip. At bare minimum, she traveled 50 miles. She may have gone as far as 70 miles. That's about three or four day trip minimum. Why would she do this? She had already believed why would she go to see her cousin Elizabeth? There was no command to do so. Why take that kind of an arduous trip? And I would submit to you the reason she did was to bolster her own faith by the faith of her cousin. I want you to think about that for a moment. The other day, our... Um, Discipleship pastor Jason Jackson sent to all these cell group leaders, you know, just some of the things, a smattering of what's been going on inside of all of our small groups, wonderful things, faith being affirmed, and people being encouraged, needs being met. And I, I, when, I, when I caught this, I thought, this needs to be disseminated to the entire church because this will lift up our own spirits. Because it's not just about what God does individually in my life, but what he does corporately in the church's life. Don't you agree? That's why you need the church. That's why I need you, you need me, we need one another. Our faith needs constant strengthening. Constant maintenance. That's why we're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because we need to be exhorted on a daily basis as we look for the second coming of Jesus, right? So I need that comfort. You need that comfort, encouragement, the praises and the answers to prayer that come from others and not just what God's doing in my life. I mean, just the other day I was with the pastors of the Engaged Network and Josh Daggett, our Second Church Fire down on the south side talked about just before the service and just last week. They were praying. One of the women in the church kind of entered into the prayer circle and said, I, I, I think we need to pray for her. And she named a woman that no one had not darkened the doors of that church, had gone completely off the radar over two years earlier. In fact, Josh said to us, he said, when she made the request, I thought, why are you, we, we, went, we prayed for her. She's gone. She's off the radar. Why are you praying? She said, I just feel God would have us pray for her. They prayed for her. She walked into the church 20 minutes later. Now let me tell you something. That was crazy cool, but that bolstered my faith. That bolstered my faith to hear that. And we approached this Christmas story, we prepared Jesus' room with a faith that's strengthened by God's work in others and not just ourselves, okay? And finally, with the faith that when blessed remains humble, not proud. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Don't ask me to explain that, okay? I don't get that. I know, I mean, John the Baptist, six months old in the womb, does a flip. We are told in chapter 1, verse 15, when the angel spoke to Zechariah, he said, you're going to have this son. He's going to be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. 
But we're not talking about John the Baptist being filled here. We're talking about Elizabeth because the next line says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, so here you got the mother filled with the Holy Spirit, the baby who's perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a double portion right there if there ever was one. But how awesome is this? And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed. This is Elizabeth speaking to her cousin. This is Elizabeth who has been blessed with the forerunner of the Messiah who's in her womb. Unbelievable. If you read the earlier part of Luke, you say, oh my goodness, this guy's the greatest of all the prophets. This is Elizabeth, and she's blessing. Again, look, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How humble is that? And behold, when the sound of your greeting came in my ears, the baby in the womb leaped for joy. No no explanation for the the leap in the womb. It just happened. Maybe just because this whole story is caught up in wonder, right? But make no mistake, Elizabeth was as believing as Mary was before her. Now, did she know, did she have some kind of divine premonition that Mary was carrying, you know, in, you know, as in zygote state that she was, had just conceived? Did she know that God revealed to Elizabeth that Mary was conceived, that it had conceived the Son of, of God before Mary got there? We're not told. I, or is it possible that we're, we can just read between the lines, Mary got there, they greeted, they talked, they swapped stories, which would be very natural for somebody who lives, you know, forever away, don't get together that often. I think that's probably what happened. It doesn't matter. What is really, really clear is she believed. She clearly believed, even calling the babe her Lord. And then Elizabeth concludes her praise, her blessing with these words, and blessed is she, that's Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Faith that when blessed remains humble, not proud. I mean, think about that. I mean, some of you, if you were Elizabeth and Mary came to you, you might say, well, I mean, the angel said some really cool things about my son too. There's no rivalry here. There's no comparing. They're not comparing Nothing like that is happening here. Mary doesn't, or rather Elizabeth doesn't compare her baby with Mary's baby. But she does foreshadow her baby. Here's how she did it. By looking at Mary and saying, how how is it that the mother of my Lord would come and greet me? She foreshadows John the Baptist later on. Because about 30 years after this, here comes John. He's the greatest preacher in the land. No prophet has ever been like him. He is thundering forth, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And people are coming by the droves. And they're repenting. And they're getting baptized. And suddenly one day, his cousin comes over the hill. And he sees him. And he willingly loses his audience, his congregation, if you please, to another. 
And he looks up and he says, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandal strap. And then he said these words. He must increase. I must decrease. And why is that? Because Jesus is better. Amen? Let's all stand.